Welcome back to the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Gordon. If you're watching the replay or on YouTube, thanks so much for being a part of the Menopause Movement. Today, we welcome Yasmin Qatar to the podcast. Yasmin had induced menopause at 30 due to a medical condition. She's a serial entrepreneur and she lives in Singapore. Yasmin helps entrepreneurs and sales leaders learn how to use story to debunk objection, build trust, and close sales. Her sales stories method is her third venture, and she started her entrepreneurial journey side hustling at her nine to five with a coaching practice. The one thing that was getting in her way between freedom and traveling the world was her inability to learn how to sell. So Yasmin learned everything she could about buyer psychology and in less than three years took her coaching practice to a quarter of a million dollars while traveling the world. She got exhausted from traveling and moved back to Singapore and set up a video storytelling company in an industry she knew nothing about and built it to a million dollars in revenue in 18 months. However, on a medical trip to China with her aunt, while she was sitting in the hospital, she realized that she missed teaching. And in January of 2019, she left her agency. And in March of 2019, she started the sales story method. It helps to change how entrepreneurs feel about sales from being something terrible to being an opportunity to solve customer problems. During the podcast, we discuss her medical condition that led to induced menopause, the secret of women's health and breaking the silence how she had no idea what to expect with her gynecologic surgery and how this is so common and so many women talk about this. Her experience with her aunt's cancer, the blessing of the challenge of her induced menopause. Now stay to the end to find out her formula for telling compelling stories that sell, a process she calls the story priming method. And at the end of the episode, make sure you visit drmichellegordon.com forward slash podcasts, where you can find the links to the show notes and the resources mentioned in the podcast. And if you enjoy the episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you're always the first to know when each episode is released. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you for all of the five-star reviews. If you haven't left a review yet, please take the time to review the podcast. This helps more women to find it and get the help they need during the disruption of menopause. No one should have to go it alone. And thank you so much for being a part of the menopause movement. Now let's get to Yasmin. As an Arab woman, like my mom always said, like you don't go to a gynecologist until you're actually married. So I never went, right? right. So that it was like this whole world that was like, what? And then like, boom, to surgery, to like, menopause all within like probably about three months so it was quite like rapid and then also the fact that like the doctor said i have issues with fertility and that was for me like the big loss of the fact that like i'm 30 (laughs) i'm supposed to still be okay and then to get all this bomb sheltered news on me was very tough so at 30 years old you had like some symptoms so what were your symptoms at 30 so what happened is i had symptoms for about two years and I didn't know what it was. I remember what happened was I ended up going to GP and the GP said, like, have you had any like big changes in your life? Have you had any recent weight gain? And I'm like, yeah, I gained some weight over the past two years. And she's like, just lose the weight. If you lose the weight, then your pain will go back to normal, which was total bullshit. But anyway, and then they put me on like, they put me on birth control. They stopped it, like all kinds of weird stuff. And then I'm like, okay, fine. I have to get fit. So I got really fit. I got like super fit and I was like even getting muscles. So I had this like 
I thought I had abs. So I, I went to the gynecologist and she's like, oh, do you not feel that? I'm like, oh, they're abs because I've been working out. And she's like, no, honey, that is clearly your growth. And then they put me under a CT scan. And she's like, it is not even a small growth. It's like quite a big growth. And then she had the impression it was actually 12 centimeters. But then surgery happened like maybe like three weeks later. It was actually 15 centimeters. And they were like, we've never seen one this big. It's as big as a five-month fetus. I'm like, I love how you guys excited about my growth and my body. But I'm freaking petrified. You're telling me I have this thing in me that's bigger than like most fetuses. So it was, it was all very traumatic. And it all happened really fast. And my biggest issue actually was the fact that doctors couldn't actually, they didn't know how to communicate it in a way that was like a bit more compassionate because by law, they have to tell you what you have before you leave. So I was like high on morphine, like in bed, like literally peeing on myself. And then they say, oh, by the way, so the surgery went well, but there's some bad news. You have fertility issues and you may never have a baby. And I was like, like, how do you just tell people this and then just... You know, deal with it kind of thing. They don't teach compassion in surgery in surgery school. They really don't. So let me just let's just back up. So you were 30 years old, you started having some symptoms. What were your symptoms like? I had severe pain. It was initially with my periods, but then I got to the fact that it was just like consistent pain. And it was like I think the problem is like with pain is eventually you become tolerant. So I don't think even at one point I even comprehended how how much it was hurting me. Because I just got used to the fact that like, this is my life. And I always thought because like, I didn't have when I was growing up heavy periods and like, oh, like I'm apparently comes when you're older. I just had no comprehension that it could be other options. Mm-hmm. And what was for me like very heartbreaking was the fact that when I told my aunt and my grandmother that I had endometriosis, they're like, yeah, we had it too. I was like, why don't we talk about this thing? They're like, why don't we bring this up? This is like a family issue. Wouldn't it be kind of nice to kind of share this? So one of the things that women say about menopause is that it's like a secret society that no one ever talks about. And I would say that it's really common that women's issues in general are like a secret society that no one ever talks about. And I think what happens is, you know, because we live in a patriarchy, the fact that we bleed every month is like this big shame. Yeah. And, you know, if we have a problem with our female organs, it's almost like a big shame that we have to talk to somebody about it. And mm-hmm. we have to overcome that. That's why the program is called, you know, the podcast is called the menopause movement. There's plenty of programs out there for midlife, right? But I call yeah. it the menopause movement because I'm so tired of hiding. I'm so tired of, you know, kind of living inside that shame. And so we're breaking the silence around menopause. So, when you finally realized that, that you had, you know, endometriosis on top of, you know, this major huge fibroid, you know, what happened and what did you feel? Well, for me, he kind of dropped the bomb on me. And then I went home and I had a month to recover because I had such a cut, like the same as having a baby. Like I gave birth without the baby. So like I was... You gave on, birth to a fibroid. Yeah, it was great fun. Totally yeah. not recommended. <laughs> but even that, like I remember when I told people about it, they're like, oh, I had that. A friend had it. I'm like, why don't we just talk about it when we're out together with people? When I start crying and I'm sad and everything, then like I discover everybody has this. Mm-hmm. And then the whole time, like people have been suffering. And like I even remember like I have a friend who she's a little bit older 
But she went and got married within two months and then gave birth to a baby because she had endometriosis. And like, hello, (laughs) we're in the same friendship circle. How come only one girl knew about this? Like, how come not everyone is hearing about this? And why are we hearing about this only when I am the one who is brave enough to talk about it and to be vocal about it? So for me, like that one month where I was at home after the surgery, I couldn't walk. I was on pain medication. And like when you're on antibiotics, it's already your hormones are whacked. So I was like crying about the loss of a child and my family and my dreams of the future. And like, nobody could understand that because they're like, oh, you're young. And I'm like, you don't understand. I have this thing in my body that apparently I don't even understand, but like I have it and it affects one or three women, but no one's talking about it. And I just, it made me angry. It made me so angry because I was just like, if my family even just heard about it, I would know what to expect and I wouldn't be upset about it because both my grandmother and my auntie both had children. Mm-hmm. My auntie was more difficulty, but like, why is it like something that's hidden in the background? And then the menopause is just like the cherry on the pie. So how old are you now? I'm 35. You're 35. So it's five years ago, you had this operation and this induced menopause. So they gave you what, Depo-Provera, progesterone shots? You didn't have a period for over a year? You're a doctor, so you probably know the name of this more than I do. <laughs> and I'm for sure you know it. <laughs> but they gave me an injection that would stop my period for three months. Yeah. So the first one was fine. The second one happened. And then that second shot lasted for nine months. Like my period did not come back for nine. I was shocked by that. But even like I didn't get any warning that, hey, it could last longer. Like it would have also indicated like my choice preference versus taking the pills versus, I, I don't know. I just thought it was like all like it wasn't clear. So the communication, it sounds like, you know, communication wasn't very good between the practitioner, you know, and you. And it's a problem here in America, too. Women who have gynecologic surgery, the doctor will say, well, we have to take out your uterus. And it's like no big deal because it's not a difficult operation. It, you know, it's an easy operation to do. But what they fail to do is, is to tell women that they're going to go into menopause. And so then women are, you know, hit with hot flashes and mood swings and sleep disturbance and self-doubt and all these things, right? That you experience because of the, you, you, you had something, it's called Depo-Provera, that's the trade name, but it, it induces menopause. And I remember I had to take it when I was younger and I got hot flashes and I was like, what the hell is this, you know? And, but when I quit my, when I quit my birth control pill, I got a big fibroid, bigger than yours, actually. It's huge. <laughs> Mine was up to, it was up to my sternum. It was wow. filled up my whole abdomen, but I didn't have surgery. I had a uterine artery ablation. I was already done having children. You know, in, in your case, I mean, you know, they didn't take, they just did what's called a myomectomy. And a myomectomy is when they just remove the part of the uterus, the fibroid. And so they just, but they that's not something they can do laparoscopically or minimally invasively anymore because of the risk of uterine cancer with the morselator. So what they would do is they would go in laparoscopically and usually there's a stalk where it's attached to. So you think about like my fist here as, as the uterus, and then you've got, you know, a big piece of, you know, a fibroid, a piece of muscle that's grown out and it's stuck with a stalk, right? What they used to do is they would cut the stalk and then they would grind it up so they could put it inside of a bag. But what we found out is that from grinding it up, there would be like nascent cancer cells. And so many women got cancer. And so they stopped using the morselator. And that's why we do it open now. So I mean, I'm not a gynecologic surgeon, but I do know, I mean, I've done my share of gynecology. I'm a general surgeon, but I've done my share of gynecologic operations. And so a few years ago, it was all the all the rage that, you know, we can't use morselators anymore because of what happens. So 
So that's just a little bit of history. But you're talking about having, you know, a gynecologic operation and not knowing what to expect. And, you know, one thing that we can do here with this podcast is say, you know, when you have a gynecologic operation, you may want to expect menopause, you know, especially if you're going to have your ovaries removed. And, you know, unfortunately, what comes along with menopause is, you know, a lot of, you know, fluctuating emotions and apart from the physical symptoms like hot flashes, mood swings, sleep disturbance, those sorts of things. And weight gain. Weight gain is like a biggie, right? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> like, I, I went from like having like ab lines to yeah. gaining like 15, like, like 30 pounds within a year. Sure. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm never ever going to comment about somebody who's like older who gains weight all of a sudden because it happens. Like I wasn't even eating more food. I was eating the exact same amount of food yeah. And I was just gaining weight. I was like, I'm confused. Like, I don't understand what's happening to my body. And I still haven't gotten rid of the weight. So that's like, even like, it's been now three years later, and I still haven't gotten rid of it. So, anyway. yeah, I mean, one of the biggest complaints I hear from women in menopause is, you know, I can't shift the weight. I can't move the weight. I can't get the weight off. The weight just comes. I have, I'm eating the same. I'm exercising and I'm not losing weight. And so one of the, the big things that we teach in the minnow system is the, we call it the minnow mate way of eating, which is the changes that we have to, you know, when our body starts to change, how do we have to change with it? And, you know, oftentimes we see women, you know, are able to shift their weight by, you know, a lot because they've come into the program and they followed the steps. But in your case, nobody told you that this was going to be a side effect. And so for the young women who are listening, and there are plenty of young women who do listen to this podcast, you know, if you do have to have a gynecologic procedure, you want to make sure that you discuss you know, maybe induced menopause with your doctor, because induced menopause is a thing. And it's a thing that happens, you know, for health reasons. And if you may find that your clothes don't fit after a couple months, because, you know, and, and you didn't change anything. And you're like, what the hell's going on here? And this is what happens to us in menopause, you know. And so now you've been through it once, and you get to, you know, you get to come go through it again. And so, how do you think your life has changed since this operation? What did it do for you? What did you change about yourself because of this experience? There is a thing that actually your body and its emotions have sometimes a bigger stake than you give it credit for. Because when I was going through that induced state, I was like having breakdowns. And it didn't occur to me that that was something that I could not control. Because I'm typically one of those people who's like consistently happy. Like I always look for the good in things. And that whole year, I was just like, I couldn't find the good in anything. And now I'm even getting emotional thinking about it because yeah. it was just like, no matter what, like I'd had like the best month ever. Like we would get an amazing client. My team would be great. I'd be like on the bus home and I'd be like sobbing my eyes out. And I didn't even know why. And then what was for me that was interesting is that at the end of the whole experience, someone sent me a video, it's like BBC video about a girl who had induced menopause at 22. And she was talking about all her symptoms. And I started crying because I'm like, if I knew that was happening, I would think I was weird because it felt for me very isolating because I didn't understand. Nobody my age had that. And I was like, mm-hmm. like just cheer up. I'm like, you don't understand. I'm having a meltdown. Yeah. 
I mean, it's almost like going through a dark night of the soul, you know, where we discover a lot about ourselves. And in your case, you're not alone because almost every woman in menopause has this feeling like they're the only one going through it and they have to suffer through it in silence. And, you know, the whole goal of the menopause movement is to ease suffering, you know, so that women understand that they don't have to go through it alone. No one should have to go through this alone. And it's not, I mean, it is a super, super disrupting time in our lives that, you know, guys don't understand it. We don't understand it. And all of a sudden we're throwing things. <laughs> and it's like, what's going on? And so we have to come to a reconciliation of, you know, what's happening emotionally. And I think bigger than the physical symptoms are the emotional symptoms that come along with menopause. And so you talk about, you know, having this big change in yourself and feeling alone. How did you come out of it? Was it just that your hormones started working again? Your ovaries started working again? To be honest, I don't even actually remember. I remember it was really, really dark. And it was even at one point that I was dating someone. I told him like upfront, like, hey, I'm going to this thing. Like, I'm going to be emotionally and like changing and everything. And then he breaks up with me and tells me, oh, you, you've gotten fat. Which is <laughs> like, and, and I remember, to be honest, it was really for me interesting because I wasn't even upset about the guy, which is really strange. I was more upset about the fact that I had decided I was going to have a child with him. It's like I, I needed to like be having a kid after this induced menopause. It'll be a good uterus time. So I had like been emotionally like justifying this to myself because my menopause was like, you're like so hormonal. Like this guy's fine. Like this guy will do. And like, it was just like really weird. Like I, like I look back at that time. I'm like, how was I? I feel like I was a different person. So I don't really know how like it came out. Like I don't know was I just feel more like myself because it was just like, it was very vague. It was all gray. It was just a very interesting time. So if it was gray back then, are there colors now? Oh my gosh. Multicolor. I have rainbows in my life again. I'm the rainbow person. Did you have a spiritual practice before menopause? No, but I have one now. So would you say that maybe the dark night of the soul kind of helped you to seek out something bigger than yourself? I think it became a coping tool that I had because I looked around and I looked at, like, for example, because at the same time I had this, my auntie got diagnosed with cancer. So mm -hmm. I was like, I went from having menopause and still having menopause and taking care of my auntie while she was doing cancer treatment. And I saw her having her spiritual practice in place and she seemed so calm and collected. And I realized that I wanted that. So I don't think I would have found it if it wasn't for like, it was in front of me. Mm -hmm. And my family is quite religious. I was always like, I, I just didn't get it. I'm like, why would people like pray? Like, what's the point of this? But then it was like my emotions plus taking my aunt to chemo treatments and like going seeing doctors. And it was that and all, which is like, okay, I think I know why spirituality and meditation and prayer isn't actually something that it's not actually something that is like a nice to have. It's actually a healthy for me, at least now becoming like a daily practice. Right. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. I think that one of the things that happens to us and for you, I mean, you went through this dark night of the soul and then your aunt had cancer, but there's usually some sort of a crisis that will put us into, you know, like, why are we here? And what am I doing? And, you know, you'll have this existential crisis that, that happens. And then we go ahead and, you know, say, well, there's got to be something bigger. And this was my experience as well. You know, I was like, I was raised Catholic. And then I went to like, you know, the, the holy roller Christian type. And then I went to atheism. And then I kind of came back to more spirituality. And so it's been a very interesting kind of 
practice for me, you know, discovering meditation was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. And that happened through is like, I'd reached all these goals. I've always been goal oriented. I've always been a, a high performer. And once I reached my goals, I was like, well, I'm not happy. Why am I not happy? And I had mm-hmm. to really look at that. Like, where am I going to find my happiness? And how do I, you know, where do I look at that? And so, you know, I hired a coach to kind of help me really hone in on some of those things. And it made a huge difference for me. And so now I don't look for external sources of happiness and things like that. And, you know, it's all within us. I think the best part is, you know, the truth. The truth is always right there. It's always been right there, but we just have to turn our heads and see it. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. So you are now, you're an entrepreneur, right? One for about eight years. (laughs) I've, I've passed the mark where like most people will fail. Because seven-year mark, most people like will drop out, and I'm still in the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so you currently are helping people to use story to sell their things, right? And you say here that you went on a medical trip to China. You want to talk a little bit about your your medical trip with your aunt? Yeah. So my aunt's cancer started in the thyroid, and then it spread everywhere, and then she had gotten clear of cancer and then it came back and when it came back the doctor was like this is really aggressive actually nothing we can do is going to help you what ended up happening is she ended up going to the u.s first seeing a doctor there and the doctor said like look there's nothing i can do for you so then we went to china where they had some alternative treatment cancer cancer treatment it was really interesting because imagine like one out of foreign people at this hospital for this cancer treatment Mm. Just watching people around you. It's it a very strange environment. And like this is all why I'm still dealing with my emotional of like the menopause. So it was like really, <laughs> very like, it was more sad for me, I think, because it was like the fact that, oh, wow, this is just, life is so black and white. Like it's just either you hear your, and I have cancer quite a lot of family. I have it on my mom and my dad's side. Mm-hmm. So like, that's why for me, health has become so much more important. And not only in terms of physical health, but also mental health. I think it actually manifests if you have an unhealthy issue with your mind, it also comes in your body. So that was just like really, really interesting to kind of experience that. You were in the China with your aunt. Is your aunt still alive or did she pass? No, she passed away last December. I'm sorry. So you're in China and you had a realization. You say here that you miss teaching. So what was your experience with teaching before this? As an entrepreneur, I was doing coaching and then also some training. And then it was so ridiculous. Looking back again, I've been looking back, I was like, it's so stupid. But I was like, oh, I don't want to have offline business with an office and a full-fledged team and all this whole shebang. So I ended up launching Why? a video. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> like, to be honest, like I look at people and I'm like, oh, Nick, you don't think I'm a real entrepreneur. Like I was having all these issues with like having, I don't know why my own beliefs are completely flawed mm-hmm. as James probably <laughs> has helped me be debunked. So I ended up having a video production agency and then scale it to million dollars within 18 months. And then I, then I had like my illness and my auntie's illness. And I realized that's all those things are, I'm chasing someone else's dream. That's not really my dream. And I actually like to teach and I always like to teach. And that's just the thing that makes me feel joyful and feel excited. And then the reality I realized is like, why am I building this business? I don't actually want to build. Like, I don't give a shit about doing campaigns for people or making a case study videos. Like, it's cool to know it, but I don't want to make it my thing. 
And then having to walk away from that, which was like giving birth to a child and say, okay, now you're two. I don't want to be your parent anymore. <laughs> so that was really interesting. And just going ahead and just changing things. And that was, I also realized because of the menopause that like as our bodies change, actually whatever we choose is also the same. Like the change is consistent and it's constant. And it's and like, I went through like this dark, I just call it the dark hole or whatever you called it earlier on, which is a great yeah. description of it. How did you call it actually? Dark night of the soul. Dark night of the soul. My gosh, so epic. Such a great yeah. description of it. I was like, okay, that's okay. So actually anything is possible. And, and to be honest, like I'm actually very grateful of this induced menopause and going through this horrible process because it's also made me question things in a much more bigger picture. And I think like the questioning of what we're supposed to do on this earth doesn't really stop. Like I've asked myself these questions over and over again and things change. And every time it changes, it feels like it's an alignment. And then sometimes it becomes out of line. You have to shift again to what is actually your next chapter of, of this whole entire journey. Yeah, no, I really get that. You know, you're talking about purpose and chasing your dreams and that sort of thing. And, and we have to constantly make sure that we're in alignment and that we're not following our ego. And, you know, when we start to follow our ego, you know, things that we normally do tend to fall off like meditation or, and it's really subtle how we tend to justify our bad behaviors, you know, our <laughs> ego will tell us it's okay. And then, and then God comes back down and, you know, spirit or universe or whatever comes down and like cuts you off at your knees to get you to go back to the purpose that you're here for or to shift, you know? And so that's a really interesting thing. And then you talk about, you know, you said that you're really grateful that you went through this, you know, menopause, this dark night of the soul. And one of the things that I think is really key for us, and, and we have, we talk a lot about, you know, detaching from outcomes and manifesting and dreaming, but then detaching. But one of the things that I think is so, so, so important is to, you know, see in what we could initially see as an adverse event as the best thing that could ever happen. And so that it sounds like you've been able to shift your perspective there to the point that, you know, this is probably one of the best things that ever happened to you, even though it was hard. Really hard. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Just wait, because it's, it's coming again. <laughs> it's coming again in about, I, you know, 15 I, years. I told, I told my guy knew that. And he's like, I did it once already. It's me. It's like, you're making a joke, right? I'm like, yep, I'm serious though. Like, I want to skip it. Yeah. I'm happy to actually experience it. It's going to be easier next time. Well, you know what to expect. And I think that, you know, if you're a young woman who hasn't gone through menopause yet, but you enjoy the podcast, you know, just know that, you know, we're trying to help you get ready because it's not an easy time. It's, it's a very disruptive time. And, you know, the whole reason I started the menopause movement was because when menopause hit me, I was like, you know, what is happening to me? I really had no idea. And, you know, I was crying at TV commercials and I was, you know, I was craving food and all these things. And I was like, what, you know, why am I thinking about food all the time? I never used to think about food. I just used to eat and, you know, and 50 pounds came on, all these things, right? And so I was like, I can't be the only one. And I started, you know, doing some investigation and, you know, lo and behold, I'm not the only one. And, you know, now we've got a, a really great thriving community and we're getting ready to scale. So, you say here that you learned everything you could about buyer psychology. Can you mm -hmm. just talk for a minute about that? You know, we've got to like start your business kind of 
No, we do. I have a whole, you know, like I've interviewed James Wedmore and I'm going to interview Ryan Levesque. He's coming up on the podcast next month. And the top 10 podcasts is start your online business now. And so if you have any business tips that, that you know, a story, especially around story, you know, obviously we want to sell with story. We're, we're wired for story. That's, you know, that's part of the human, the way the human evolution happened is that we tell story and that's how we teach the whole idea of the no like, and trust factor when you're selling. And so... How did you get into that? So background in psychology. So this for me has been like, like I, I love this world. And when I started my entrepreneurial journey, I was actually 14. At the time, my dad had lost his job. So my mom basically said, if you want to buy anything, you got to figure it out. And I was doing paintings. I was selling jewelry and all kinds of stuff. And I realized that when I told the story more of like I'm a young entrepreneur, people would buy more. And then I realized actually it was not so much about the piece itself. It was more about the narrative that came along with it. And then I was able to easily kind of see, oh, like someone would buy it. And then there's like, oh yeah, my friend's daughter is an entrepreneur and she's making these necklaces. And then I would get more referrals from people who were like trying to support this young budding entrepreneur. Right. And it made me realize that actually... A lot of times you may not have the best product in the world, but if you're able to inspire or compel the right person with that problem, who wants to have a solution solved, they're going to be more open to listen to you. And that was my first experience with story. I realized, oh, I guess it's crazy. And I even realized like I had a product offering line, which was for teenage kids to give like Valentine's Day gifts or birthday gifts for their partners. And it's like, come on, you don't want to buy an off the shelf bag or necklace or bracelet you can actually have this beautiful custom-made painting for your girlfriend or boyfriend and it was so much more compelling than just like going ahead and doing that so eventually when I started like in my business and my coaching practice I realized that people were like always looking for what was missing for them and it's always telling stories to what people are struggling with what their pain is and if you look at actually the brain the brain is triggered by the reptilian part of the brain, which is responsible for fight or flight. So if you are telling stories that are just like, I'm telling some words versus, for example, a story for somebody else's like pain points, they're going to be so much more tuned in if you're speaking to that pain point. And as I was doing this and I was building my business, at one point I had people saying like, why don't you teach people how to sell and use story more effectively? And I'm like, would somebody pay for that? Because I, I thought I was going to be a coach and help people like, with their lives and their careers. And I realized, no, actually the part that gets me more excited is making them realize that with whatever story you're sharing, who can you inspire to take action? And that for me became a bigger mission for me because once people realize that you could actually influence, you could actually create possibilities that ignite change, that opens up for their world so much more than just going ahead and just telling a story for a story's sake. And then it helps people sell more. It helps people go from like no business at all to getting like 10K within three or four weeks because of the fact that they're using their story towards their ideal customer's pain points and they're inspired to take another action to move forward in that experience. And that is for me like the biggest joy to get to work with to help simplify and demystify the science behind it because there is a science behind it. It's not like the is random and that's just amazing. And over the past years, I've worked with some of the biggest brands training their sales teams. So I trained the team across Asia and Salesforce, IPM in big pharmaceutical companies. So all these things. And during COVID, it came back to 
me realizing that I wanted to work with more entrepreneurs because of the fact that I was thinking about my father being unemployed. And I'm like, this is the, the worst time for some businesses. And if I can help them become more effective at communicating and getting more customers, then I'm literally changing families and lives. Yeah. So it's kind yeah. of funny that like, again, this is all part of the connection that you find out later on. You don't see them up front. Mm-hmm. But I was like feeling really compelled. I'm like, I want to work with more entrepreneurs. And now I'm working actually with the government of Singapore to help train entrepreneurs as well. No, oh, that's great. So my question is, do you have a formula, you know, that you teach or is, can you give us like a quick and dirty, you know, maybe like how you break down a story, you know, quickly? Yeah. So I have a formula, which I call like the story priming method. And the key thing at the very beginning is realizing that because the brain that you're speaking to likes the problems, you want to, first of all, speak to that problem. But second step from there is you want to remove any potential objection they might have. So for example, like when I train people on this, this toy priming method, people are always saying, oh yeah, it's easy for you. You can speak really well. You can do this really effectively. So I tell them stories about how I was naturally born this way. And I'm doing that intentionally to debunk any kind of blocker of why I shouldn't pay attention. And then from there, it's about making them realize that they have a choice. They have a choice in terms of, do you want to stay where you are or do you want to go somewhere else? And you have to paint that gap for them. You have to make them realize, hey, like, you know, you have choices. And the reason why choice is very important is because if you force someone and you push them away or you make them feel like they're at blame, they're not going to feel inspired to take action. But if you give them a choice, it makes them so much more open to those things. And then the next part of it as well, you have to look at actually what experience do you have? Where does the credibility come from? How can you actually build trust on this? Because if you don't have that there, it's really hard for someone to be like, okay, sure, I'm going to pay you money. When it's like, I don't want to pay someone who has no idea about menopause to give me a program to help me figure out my menopause situation. I want to have someone like Dr. Michelle who has that experience, who went through herself, who went through the pain, who went through a crisis to realize, shit, this is not okay for any woman to suffer with this, right? Yeah. So you can build that trust from your own personal narrative, but also through like, who have you helped? What have you discovered? And so forth. The last part is really crucial is you have to ask them if they want to take that change, to make that choice. And even though you've asked them before, you have to ask them again to literally have them in their mind validate, yes, exactly what I want. And then throughout this whole experience, make them realize that, hey, it is not an easy path, but anybody can do this if you have the right tools, the right support, and so forth. So it's really about how do you make it easy for someone to say yes to you? How do you make it easy for someone to get the solution of the problem by hearing what you have to say? Um, in a way, it's not like saying, this is why you should buy one, two, three. No, it doesn't work. Versus, for example, I know that you're worried about this. So let me share with you how can I work with you to overcome that or how we can actually close that gap and make sure you have a solution together or we fix the solution together so that for me is it is a science and it's all like every part of it is like there's data behind it which is quite yeah. cool but also to make it simple for that anyone can actually do it and to realize that if you don't think you're natural at it you can all learn this is actually something that's super easy to get yeah i love that and just remember if you're an entrepreneur or an aspiring entrepreneur and you're looking to sell things especially if you're trying to sell things online Remember that, you know, over 90% of the people are going to say no to you. And that's okay. Yeah. But the thing is also to realize that 
you want to speak to people who actually want what you have to offer. So for me, the 90% the doesn't matter. Is, no, the list is important. Yeah. This is important. Yeah. That except me, like, I don't really care. Like I am on this war earth to help people who want to get better at this. So yeah. this is who I show up for. Everyone else, I'm like, cool. Like if you get an aha moment, great. But like, that's not where my magic is going to lie. Like I remember people that I've worked with whose lives have changed as a result of learning this. That for me is more exciting. I think about my Emmys, my uh, Ali's, my all these people that I've worked with. And that for me gets me more pumped up than people are going to say no to me. Because in the end of the day, like I was talking to a friend of mine today and he has a readership of a quarter million followers, right? Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know something? What I've learned in this experience of building my business is that right now I have, like, I don't give an F-U-C-K. <laughs> I'm not sure if I can say that on your you podcast. Can say that. It's all right. I don't give a fuck mentality. If I want to yeah. write a story about, like, whatever, if I want to share my cheesy-ass jokes, I don't give a shit. Because, like, I've realized in this experience that people either like me or they don't. And I'm not yeah. here to make everyone happy. I'm here to make my people happy. And I was just like, it was so funny because we've been friends for 15 years. So it's like amazing that like he has to have a quarter million readership on his list for him to have this aha moment of like, I don't give a shit. I don't give a fuck of what's yeah. happening. Well, that's, I mean, I think that's so important to realize that, you know, people are going to be drawn to you. I mean, there's going to be people that like you. There's people that like, don't like you. I mean, there's plenty of people who do not like me at all. And those are my people. And that's great. You know, bye. You know, have a nice life. But when I'm talking to my, you know, when I'm, when I'm doing a live or, or teaching or whatever, I'm just, yeah, I try to be authentically me. And the more I can just be who I am, the easier it is, you know, for me. And it, it's just, you know, if you don't want to be a part of that, that's great. That's why we have the podcast. The podcast is here to, to help women. And you mentioned that it is so amazing to see the transformations and that's what keeps us coming back, you know? And so, as women go through my program, the Minnow System, you know, we see transformation after transformation after transformation. And a lot of times it's physical transformations. A lot of, you know, women, it's not a weight loss program, but women lose weight. It's not, you know, a diet and exercise program, but we teach that. And it's really more about, you know, behavior change. And when people take action, you know, and we tell them, you know, what you put in is what you're going to get out. As long as you do the work, you're going to have results. And, you know, that's, that's how it is. And so it's really exciting. We're gearing up for a scaling. And so we're, we're pretty excited. And I'm pretty excited for the rest of the year. So where can people find you? So you can find me over at the sales story method. Sales story method with all. So that's for the sales story method.com. Yeah. Or sales story method. I have both domains. <laughs> okay. good. Um, or you can find me on LinkedIn or Instagram. And yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being a part of the Menopause Movement podcast today. It's been really great talking to you. And, you know, hopefully we'll get some, you know, some questions and we'll bring you back. Sure. I would love to. Yeah. All right. I, awesome. I think like if people realize just like everyone's in it together, so much more, less stressful, I feel. Sure. And less was, alone. Was there anything else you were hoping to share with the audience before we sign off? Please tell all your friends about this podcast and the whole show because seriously, like it's the most horrible experience, menopause. And if you realize that these people who are also suffering, it will make your stress become a lot less stressful. Thanks. Now, if you have questions about the topics covered in this or any other podcast, I invite you to open a conversation with me via email at info at menopausemovement.com or on Facebook Messenger through my Facebook page at Dr. Michelle Gordon. That's D-R-M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-G-O-R-D-O-N. I also want to invite you to join in our next beta group. 
Here at the Menopause Movement, we are always trying out new methods of teaching and the best ways to get on top of your menopause symptoms. We regularly run beta test groups where we create a learning experience valued at $2,000, but at no cost to you in exchange for feedback and testimonials. To get notified of our next beta group, simply sign up at beta.menopausemovement.com. And thanks so much for being a part of the Menopause Movement. I appreciate you. Thank you.